my turn to say Happy Mother's Day to our moms in this audience. And some of you are moms by natural choice. Some of you are moms by circumstances beyond what you might have chosen. Some of you are surrogate moms. You are standing in on behalf of a child, on behalf of a relative perhaps, for the benefit of them. And some of you are spiritual moms. Some of you are heart moms. And for all of you, uh, you know, this, this day evokes certain feelings. And whether it's pleasant or unpleasant memories, I still want to wish you a happy day. I want to wish you a day in which you can bask in the joy of the Lord and knowing how much He loves you and how precious you are in His sight. And I hope you would find in Him uh, an ever-present help in time of trouble. That He might be your safety net in a world that's constantly trying to push you over the edge. And I don't know anyone who would understand more about living life on the edge than a mother. And I don't mean that in a rebellious way. I just mean moms are always seem to be having to maintain this balance between their own needs and the needs of their family. And so it almost feels like you are standing on the edge. And especially, it seems to me, through the lens of social media, that moms take a beating sometimes, and sometimes they give a beating <laughs> over unrealistic standards, unrealistic expectations, that they should be like this, or that, uh, that that person should do like that, or should have done this. And whether you would call it fear or not, it seems at the heart of either side of an attack is this fear of not living up, or this fear of messing up, or this fear of waking up and realizing that you've missed Another opportunity. So whether you're a mom or not, I hope you can see the Bible and hope you can see God calling us to replace our fear with faith. That's His call for you today and every day. Replace your fear with faith. But in order to do so, we have to be willing to extend and to receive, accept a portion of that mysterious thing called grace. God's grace. And I want to talk about that this morning. I get caught up in documentaries and I've been on a kick... The last few days, and Tressa loves it. She's glad she has earphones and her own Kindle she can watch. But I love documentaries. But don't ask me about the documentary because I live in the moment, really do. If you want to talk to me while it's going on, I'll tell you what I'm watching and what it's about. But you ask me when it's over with, and I can't tell you the details. I just live in the moment. That's the kind of guy I am. Actually, no, I just don't pay attention enough, I guess. I live in the details and the, of the scenery and all that sort of stuff. But I particularly love the documentaries about how this country developed. You know, how we settled this country from the first explorers to the western expansion to, you know, the industrial revolution which established much of the infrastructure that still maintains us today. And in 1933, in the middle of our Great Depression, construction began on what would be at that time the longest uh, suspension bridge in the world. And you see it here, you recognize it, the Golden Gate Bridge over San Francisco Bay. And so a marvelous feat of engineering as it was. Construction fell badly behind schedule. And the reason is because people kept falling off and dying. These construction workers were falling off of their, their platforms, falling from this bridge, their area of work, and, and dying some 220 feet below to the bay. And you fall that far, it's like landing on concrete. So... Not much hope. But engineers and administrators, they, they wrestled with this. They wrestled back and forth about what to do. How can we fix this? And finally, they decided they would put some gigantic net hung underneath the bridge so that if someone or something fell, it would land in this net. And in spite of the enormous cost to do this, the engineers opted 
to do the net. And so after it was, it was installed, the work was hardly stalled. They didn't have many accidents. And when somebody fell, they fell into the net. And so work moved along, at, and they, they, they finished this bridge ahead of schedule because of these mechanisms they put in place here. A worker or two fell. People would fall, but they were saved. They were saved by the net. And so it wasn't a fatal fall. And so ultimately, all the time that was previously lost to fear was replaced by faith in this net. Faith in this net. And so people didn't become reckless just because they had the net. They weren't running along, you know, the top beams there. Got a net below, not worried about it. They weren't doing that. But mentally, psychologically, they, they could concentrate on their work because they knew if by chance they slipped, if they fell, there was a net there that was going to catch them, the safety of this net. And however, they could work more efficiently with less distraction. And in a way, this made me think of the grace of God. The grace of God. We studied earlier in Ephesians. We're looking back in Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, where the Apostle Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we have this gift of God's grace. Well, why do we need God's grace? Why do we need the grace of God? Well, because we're human and we're subject to temptations. We're subject to sinful choices. We're subject to a rebellious life. And no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I study, no matter how much I serve, no matter how much I fight it, temptation and sinful choices find their way into my life. And the resistance at times becomes futile on my human part. They make their way into the timeline of, of my life. And beating sin is, is not something that I've proven able to do. Still got things that creep up. Certain ones, yeah, I think I've kicked those. I've done pretty good along the way, but not all of them. Not all of them, and certainly not for all time. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I, I, I stop resisting? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean I stop fighting. It doesn't mean I stop reaching and growing and striving to make better choices in my life. And many of us would say that if we could accomplish half as much as the Apostle Paul did in his life, then man, we would feel pretty good about our work and our life as a child of God. But even Paul said that he didn't consider himself complete. He didn't consider it that he embodied God's righteousness fully like God called him and us to do. He wasn't complete in his obedience to God. But one thing he did know, and he tells us one thing he knows, and one thing we need to know in Philippians chapter 3, this letter he wrote to these Christians, Paul says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, this righteousness of God. It's not mine yet. I'm not complete. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And moms and the rest of us need to press on because we make mistakes and we sin and we choose the unpleasant path from time to time. But we cannot go back. See, life moves forward and we have to move forward with it. Our goal must not be to live in worry and live in fear because of what we have done. Our goal must be to stay focused on Christ, focused on Jesus. And in Christ, we have this grace of God that beckons us on towards this prize of this upward call in Christ. It's forward, beyond the muck and the mire of this life and what we find ourselves getting bogged down in. It's living by grace through faith 
in Jesus Christ. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. Life is worth the living. Because He lives. Every day, every moment. Yeah, Sean, but I... No, no, no. See, but I is looking back. God doesn't want us to look back. He wants us to look forward. Look forward because He lives. See, Satan wants to keep us in our past. Satan wants to keep us in our minds on the fruit of the garden. See, remember when you took the fruit? He wants us to think about that. That is not what God wants. God, Satan wants us to think about the cost. All that we lost by that choice. God wants us looking forward to what He has prepared for us. He calls us through Jesus Christ to focus on what's ahead. And so we have a resurrection we have a renewal and we have a restoration through Jesus Christ. And we need not fear our past. And we need not fear our future. Many of you know Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen is a gospel preacher. Jimmy Allen is, I don't know, what's Jimmy now, 120? <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's been around a long time. Some of you know him from his gospel meetings. Some of you know him from, the, his, he was a feared Bible professor at Harding. He was scared to death to take his class. But Jimmy always talked about Romans. Romans was near and dear to his heart. He preached Romans his whole life. I don't know that he preached anything other than the, the letter to Romans. But Jimmy called it the clearest gospel of all. He even wrote a book, a commentary about Romans that, by that title. And so he says it's the clearest gospel of all. And, and when you read through Romans, you can understand why he would say that. Why he would call it that. But here's the thing. It may be clear but not if we close our eyes to it. If we close our eyes to the Gospel, it's not clear at all. We can't see it. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Robert, would you catch me up? But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so moms, here's the deal. Even though you may feel like it, you are not condemned. You are not condemned by your messy home. You are not condemned by the choice of how and where to educate your children. You are not condemned by the difficulty of caring for a child with special needs. You are not condemned by the struggle with how easy it is at times to love one child more than another. 
You are not condemned by your miscarriages. You are not condemned by the lack of desire to have more children. You're not condemned by not having a desire to adopt. You are not condemned, even though you may feel like it, when you read of another's perfect parenting moment on Facebook. You are not condemned by your inability to cook. You are not condemned because your children are not normal. You're not condemned because you are divorced and unmarried and doing it alone. You're not condemned by your desire to be alone, away from the kids, for a time, every single day. (laughs) You're not condemned by your body, which may not be what it once was. You are not condemned by what you believe are your repeated failures as a mother. You are not condemned by your rebellious children. You are not condemned by the frustration of having to scrape mac and cheese off the kitchen floor every day. You are not condemned by all the fears and tears which flirt with insanity and take you to the precipice of despair. You are not condemned by not being able to throw the birthday party of the year for your child. You are not condemned for not feeding your kids homemade meals. You are not condemned for deciding that homemade meals are what you want for your family. They're your priority. You're not condemned by your need for a vacation without kids. You're not condemned because you cannot take your kids on exciting vacations. You are not condemned for not living up to the standards of your mother or your mother-in-law. You are not condemned by the stares of those who don't have kids when yours erupt into volcanic screams in public places. You are not condemned by the stares of those whose kids have been grown up so long ago that they have now forgotten how they struggled with the same challenges you're struggling with today. You are not condemned for all the missed opportunities. You are not condemned by someone who has never been in your position or your circumstances and your experience. What condemns us is rejecting Jesus Christ. Rejecting Jesus Christ. Not rejecting parenting advice from an armchair parent. That does not condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus. And so to grace now, grace doesn't cover up our sin. We don't want to swing the other direction. Grace doesn't provide this covert space where I can hide behind and under and do whatever I want to do and act however I want to. There may very well be sin, bitterness, anger, hatred, covetousness, immorality, sins of the tongue. There may be sins which have damaged and distanced relationship. There may be. Grace does not simply cover that up. The grace of God provides the only way to be forgiven for them. The grace of God provides the only way to overcome them. The only way to change. And that way is Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. John writes in 1 John Chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. So mothers, stop beating yourselves up over choices that have already been made. Things in the past. If that choice involved a sin, then repent of it. And ask God's forgiveness, which He promises to give. Why does He promise to give it? Because His love for you, His love for us is unfailing. It's unending. And because the blood which His Son shed on the cross is not dried up. It's not dried up. It continually cleanses the penitent heart. And so it's true for everyone, all who are in Christ Jesus, There's no condemnation because Jesus took that condemnation, our condemnation, on Himself. Took it straight to the cross while His mother stood by in shock and horror and sorrow, witnessing the unimaginable gift of the grace of God. Press onward towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And perhaps at Summers Avenue, we can create a container, an environment, a safe space for various experiences, all ages and stages of life to truly listen to and to hear what each other is experiencing in life and has experienced and learn from it and share from it rather than assuming about people. And in doing so, we grow. We grow personally. We grow together as a family of God, as a congregation. And whether one's experience of motherhood is one of pain, one of regret, or one of joy, or one of pride, we need to hear it. We need to hold it. We need to value it for what it is and what it has brought to this point. For those mothers among us who are paddling, paddling with all they have as fast as they can, worried that if they're not doing enough by their children, For those mothers today, perhaps we can gently remind each other that even psychologists, child psychologists would say children don't need perfect mothers. What they need is good enough mothering. And I would add they also need the grace of God. Good enough mothering and the grace of God. And the grace of God is our safety net that allows us to live life fully in Jesus Christ. Fully for Christ. Not recklessly, but knowing that when we do slip and when we do fall, it's God's grace that's there to catch us, allowing us to climb back up and to run forward freely, serving Him fully, living life the way He calls us to live it, with joy and with peace. And that's in Jesus Christ. But it's hard to have peace with God when you don't have peace with yourself. And sometimes our own guilt that we can't let go of. Sometimes choices we've made in the past that have brought harm to others or to ourselves. Sometimes that is what keeps us from living and experiencing the joy and the peace in Jesus Christ. And this morning, if we can pray for you and your struggle, your challenge to let that go, give it up and give it to God, then we want to pray with you and for you this morning. And if you have not been baptized into Christ, For the forgiveness of your sin. Jesus is the way, the way, not a way, the way, the truth, the life. And no one, not this one, not that one, no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And if this morning 
If you recognize that and you are ready to give your life to Jesus, to confess Him as Lord, to repent of your sins, what greater Mother's Day present can you give your mother, your grandmother, this body of Christ this morning, than to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? We're going to stand now and sing a song. And if we can help you in any way this morning in serving God, will you please come and let us do that?